0: Welcome to the More Than Corporate Podcast. I'm Amber Furman, Recovering Perfectionist and Serial Accomplisher. If you're anything like I used to be, you've been living your life thinking that if you accomplish enough stuff, you'll finally find the success you've always wanted. But what if it's not about accomplishing more stuff? What if it's about accomplishing the right stuff? I believe you don't find success. You create it by intentionally designing the life you want and having the courage to get out of your comfort zone to live your design. I went from doing what I was supposed to do to doing what I love to do, and now I get to help others do the same. Keep listening as I chat with inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day and learn how you too can live the life you've always wanted. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. I'm super excited to have you guys with us today, and I have Lisa Chastain with us. This is the first interview in my office, first in person. I'm so excited. Thank you for being here. Heck yeah. I'm super stoked. So for those of you who don't know, Lisa is an international best-selling author and the host of the radio show, Lisa Chastain. Um, She teaches women how to take control of their finances so that they can live their best lives. For over 20 years, she's been coaching and mentoring women as a highly sought-after money coach. She teaches her clients what it takes to make financial dreams a reality. She's had her own personal struggles with money, which I'm super excited to dig into. Yeah, um, And blew through her life savings of over $100,000 in her 30s, building a business and stringing together her personal life through divorce. Mm -hmm. She knows firsthand what financial struggle feels like, and after hitting her financial rock bottom, she rebuilt her life and business to mentor women to make money simple so that they can stop stressing and get to living joyful, heart-centered and worthy lives. I'm super excited to dig into this. First of all, you know I love you today. I love you Um, too. I've gotten to know you so well over the last, even just like three months. Mm -hmm. And the passion that you have for helping women, and I mean people in general, but women, take control of their finances is incredible. What is it that you think, other than a little bit of what we just talked on and touched on in your bio what do you think is it that just keeps you going every day when it comes to helping people with their money
1: that's my jam yeah <laughs> i like it so i'm okay i've been told not to attach to my sun sign because i also have a rising sign and a moon sign okay and my rising no well my sun sign is scorpio okay whether or not that has anything to do with anything i don't know really sure but i've Somewhere been told in the world. that i'm a scorpio and i'm really deep okay And I like having conversations that matter. That turns me on. Okay. And then when it comes to money, money is the most intimate part of people's Mm -hmm. lives. Yeah. And it's a very stigmatized conversation. I'm so glad you said that because it's true. Mm -hmm.
0: Money is one of those things that the majority of us grow up saying that we shouldn't talk about. Yep. Um, Was that your experience with money growing up as well? Was it... Like this hush-hush topic that you weren't supposed to discuss?
1: The only thing we ever knew about money was that there was never enough Mm -hmm. and that you don't ask for it. I I learned hard lessons with money with my family. When I did things that were not acceptable of family norms to do was when I would get my hand slapped.
0: Ooh, So knowing what we know about the way the mind works, Mm -hmm. knowing that our conversations about money as a kid Mm -hmm. can relate directly, and I'm going to take away the can, do relate directly to our relationship with money as an adult. How did you get so much better with money and build a better relationship to where you could talk about it every single day?
1: Oh my gosh. How did I? Mm, The first one was coaching. Okay. I got a coach who stretched me outside my comfort zone. And invited me to tell my story, which is where my, mm. book, where my book came from. And your book is? Girl, get your shit together. Yes. Yeah. I love that title. Thank you. So it was through telling my own story and realizing that I wouldn't die. Mm. Or I have a family, love my family. I love my family to death. And if I didn't do, do things the way that they wanted me to, I was literally threatened that they were going to disown me. So writing my book, telling my story, breaking through my own shame game, having the courage to tell people that I didn't have my shit together because it wasn't spoken about. It was very faux pas. Yeah. It is for a lot of people. That was how I got started on my journey.
0: I think that's so incredibly important. And I'm glad that we're in a society right now where it's starting to shift, Mm -hmm. where we're starting to be more willing to talk about some of these things. Mm -hmm. Money seems to be lagging behind a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because... Who Brene Brown talked so much about the idea of vulnerability Mm -hmm. being, you know, some people overshare and they call it vulnerability Mm -hmm. when they're really not sharing anything that makes them be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. They've become so comfortable with oversharing. But when it comes to the thing, which oftentimes is money for people that they think if they knew this about me, Mm -hmm. then they wouldn't want to talk to me. When we, start talking about the this that if they knew this about me. Yeah. That's where we get real transformation and unfortunately for so many people that this is money. Agreed. It's Agreed. it's the thing, right? I mean, god we focus on it from the time we're a kid. How yeah. are you going to make it? Um how much you make dictates your place in society
1: and who can break the rules and who can't. Yeah who is accepted, you know, who's who's deemed successful and who's not. It's revolved around success and the financial success that comes with success. And gosh, that is why I created my podcast. Honestly, having been in the money world and being a part of the larger conversation about money, there are a lot of people out there talking about money, but not talking about Mm. the real stuff. Yeah. The behind the scenes stuff. We have CEOs committing suicide at the highest rate ever. Why? It can't just be because they're stressed. Why are they stressed? There's a lot of financial responsibility tied into that. Celebrities are committing suicide. Why? Yeah. Concept of success, failure, what's recoverable, and money's wrapped right into that. More than people realize. Mm -hmm. So when
0: it comes to your relationship with the people in your life now have they become more accepting of the conversation or have you become less concerned with their reaction
1: I just have new people to talk to
0: yes I love that answer <laughs> I mean I obviously just we to can't replace our family but no like-
1: I just, I stopped beating my head against a wall and realizing that this is not a conversation that they want to have with me and that, and, and I'm okay with that. Now I, Wayne Dyer was profoundly supportive even in his books after he died. It was, he said, I'm making a commitment to be a certain person with my family and I'm going to be peace and love with them. And and once I realized like, I don't have to change them yeah, and family, friends, the world, whatever. I'm just going to lean into conversations that I want to have with the people who want to have them with me.
0: Was there a period when you made that choice that you
1: felt like you were being inauthentic at home? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, where do I start with that? (laughs) My dad and I had a knockdown drag out fight when I was about 35. I want to say this was before I went through my divorce. So that was another part I had to get really honest with Like not being happy with Mm -hmm. where I was at and societal norms and family norms that went with it. But my dad, for the third time in my relationship with him, once as a child, twice as an adult, he threatened to, in his words, disown me. The third time was, I'm going to take you out of the will. Wow. And I called him and I was like, what the, can we cross on this podcast? Yes, all all day. Dad, what the fuck? Because I didn't, uh, I wasn't doing what he approved of or wanted me to do. I was out. And that caused a ton of fear and I have to, I've had to do a ton of mindset work around that. And financially, it's just one of those things where in dating conversations, find out what their credit score is. Like all these financial Mm -hmm. experts are shoving down these tips. Like, well, you got to make sure they're financially sound and women make sure you find a guy who's financially stable, (laughs) right? The disgusting, (laughs) all that, all of that. What is that? Messaging. Yeah. All of that, All that imprinting programming that goes on. and programming for women. I, I, I'm working with women because I'm passionate to help women break through that conversation.
0: You know, even recently, and I'm going to be really careful about what I say here because this is a big name in Vegas and I don't want to end up um, yeah burning bridges. Um, we were at, although anybody that was there will know exactly what I was talking about. We were at an event um, a few weeks ago. Um, and it was based around women. Mm-hmm. And it was honoring and supporting and valuing women. Mm-hmm. And they had a very big name in the city come talk okay. about how she got to where she was at. Yeah, At least that's what we expected her to talk about. Okay, And instead, she talked about how she met her husband mm-hmm. and how she supported him. hmm And how we should be on the lookout for somebody that we can support too. Because by supporting them, we get to become successful. Wow. And this was just, I mean, we're in 2023. Wow. At an event around women. Mm -hmm. And this person is from a different generation. Yet you would think that being at the top of her game. Mm-hmm. Like there are very few people that this person answers to. Mm. The mindset mm-hmm. of my job is still to support and make the men or man or men in my life and business yeah. be successful. It's going to take generations. For us to undo that mindset. It is. And I'm, and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying that putting. I'm not saying it's all bad. Putting our needs second to anybody else. Or treating somebody a certain way. With the expectation of something in return. Is where the problems that we're talking about right now came from. Yes. Yes. Yet. This is what we're still discussing. How do I. I mean I run two businesses. And. I am alone. Mm-hmm. I have no supporting income. I'm single. There are times where I sit back and think, God, it would be really nice to just not have to worry about paying the bills mm-hmm. this month and have somebody else be willing and able to do it. Mm-hmm. And then I realize, like, number one, that's not my style. Yeah. Even if I was <laughs> no. in a relationship, I would <laughs> never let somebody take care of me like that. Yeah. I say all of this to say that that mentality of I can take care of myself. I will take care of myself. Nobody else is going to take care of me is just as damaging of a money mentality as I want somebody else to support me because I don't think I'm capable. Yes. So how do you address the strength or the, the insecurity addressed as strength that so many high powered women have when it comes to their relationships with
1: people and money. How long do we have? (laughs) We have, well,
0: I think you said you got to be home by like four, (laughs) so an hour and a half.
1: (laughs) Wow, that's a loaded question. Um, How do we, how do we address that? Well, I think, I, I think that what I'm learning from you and just, you know, being in this world with people is being willing, willing to call people on their bullshit. Yeah. Which I know you're writing a book about. I am break your bullshit box. I'm so excited, and you're really good at it. Thank you. To to for as a coach, I may not be able to do that. And, and I do. I am very interruptive in the money industry. I was on stage yesterday, challenging people's beliefs the entire time because we have to be willing to, as Lynn Twist says, question the unanswered questions. Yes. Women need men to be successful. Yes. That's a, that's a belief. I'm a woman. I need a man to be successful. That was my belief. I had to challenge that belief. My mom's a stay at home mom. My mom relied on my, my dad, she still does. And the belief was I need a man to be successful. Even when I was making more money than him, even when I was more successful than him, I would not leave him because my belief was that I needed him. To be successful. Did you
0: come from a religious background as well, where outside of the money and the success side, you just didn't give up on relationships?
1: Southern Baptist. Yeah. Yep. That, my mom, I remember my mom saying this our entire, my entire marriage, it'll get better. mm -hmm.
0: Work through it. Or what did you do to upset him to where he's acting like this?
1: I didn't ever hear that. Good. But he was never challenged. It was never, what is he doing? Are you okay? Okay. Right.
0: I'm so glad that you're having the conversations that you're having with women mm-hmm. because I think that we know that you take control of one part of your life, you get to take control of other parts mm-hmm. of your life. And the relationship that women have with money isn't all about money. It's representate it's representative of the relationship that they have with everything in their life. It's feedback. It's that's all it is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So w- w- you have a way of making money less scary. And do not make me regret these words making budgeting and money fun. I know how I much don't you budget. hate the money. I know how much you hate the word budget. <laughs> making money fun. Um has that always come natural to you? Money? No, the the ability to make a difficult and taboo topic
1: simplistic
0: and easy and fun to talk about.
1: For me, it's not simple in my life. Mm. I've had to work on that with coaching and feedback and all the things. So you well, get it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You get it. Mm-hmm. You get the fear
0: That when I would say someone like me, but not like when me Mm -hmm. comes and sits down next to you Mm -hmm. and says money terrifies me. Yeah. You know what that feels like. I do. I do. Um, I think it's really cool that you just connect with with people on that, on that level. Mm-hmm. You know, I did a, po- the very, it's, it's fitting that we're having this conversation in my first in-person interview because my very, very, very first interview ever was with my podcast or not my podcast, my obstacle course racing coach. Okay, And he said something in that when we were talking about how he motivates people so well, he says, I remember what it was like to be in that situation. I, I know what it was like to feel that way, I've been there, and I remembered it. And I feel like that's so simple mm-hmm. and so uncommon mm-hmm. at the same time. People tend to move past their trauma and then forget about it. Mm-hmm. And then when they see people who are where they used to be, instead of accepting, they judge. Mm-hmm. And that judgment could come from shame that they were ever there in the first place, Yeah. Or it could come from a fear that they're gonna go back there again. Okay. You've been able to take your um I'm, I'm gonna call it shame. I think there was a oh, point yeah. in time where you had a shame relationship with money. Oh yeah. Um, and you've been able to turn it into this superpower of being able to help women overcome the same place that you were at. And I yeah. think that's incredible.
1: I want women to rise together on this planet. That doesn't mean that. that doesn't mean I want men to lose.
0: It can be both.
1: It's not either or.
0: There's another side of this that I love so much. And that is outside of the women-money relationship, Mm -hmm. it's just the women-women relationship. Mm -hmm. Because I haven't historically had an amazing circle of strong women that I could rely on Mm -hmm. and trust. The majority of my friends were men. Mm -hmm. I trusted them more. And I think there was no evidence of why that should have been the case. It was just my comfort level. Mm -hmm. And recently I've been surrounding myself with some really strong women like you, like Sonia, um, really amazing women that are showing me that relationships with women don't have to be fear-based and constantly looking over your shoulder and wondering when they're going to stab you in the back. And when, when, when did that start to shift, do you think, as far as relationships with women being healthy instead of um, unhealthily competitive?
1: Like in my life or yeah. just in my, oh, in my life? Um, I, I would say probably when I became a business owner mm. was when it started to shift for me. What and do you think
0: was the thought process that expanded that
1: perception for you? Well, there were two things that happened around the same time in my life. So being in my 30s, coaching and mentoring, I've been coaching and mentoring people in different capacities since high school. So understanding how people develop and mature. Something happens when women get to 30 where the light light bulb goes on, or they're like out of the 20s, which are messy for like everyone. Everybody, you know, everyone (laughs) they're just messy. So mid 30s, I went through a personal development program, and I went through a goddess weekend. And I, I learned, I got, I had an amazing mentor. Her name's Sylvia Badoski, who I got to be mentored by. So it took one woman to show me an alternative way that altered the course of my way of being. And through her classes, and there were a bunch of women, all of us, we just gravitated toward her. And then we all went through the Grace uh, Goddess weekend with her. And I started to understand and see what I wanted and then where the contrast was in my relationships or other women that I had been around, and I was like, I, I'm, mov- I'm going to start consciously moving in this direction. And then the other one was NABO, the National Association of Women Business Owners. In Vegas, there, not, not every woman was like this, but there was a group of women who embraced me wholeheartedly, and that shifted the way that I understood and saw women too. So it really was through actual mentorship mm-hmm. and role modeling that I could see it was a different way or could be a different way.
0: I think this is so reflective of, similar, first of all, um, NABO was one of the things that started to shift. I haven't joined yet. I'm getting ready to. Okay. Um, I wouldn't even entertain the conversation of joining NABO for years Mm -hmm. and years Mm -hmm. because I thought, what's the purpose? Like I have spent my entire life trying to avoid rooms of women. Why would I voluntarily join one? Mm. And um, then I went to a meeting. And I was like this is actually really cool. Yeah. Um it was at um a bank and it was in the banking industry. Yeah. And you were all of a sudden looking at like, do you know how bad ass it is to see women as banking executives? Awesome.
1: It's fucking awesome.
0: Like to see women in a place where like they're just they're just completely kicking ass. Yeah. And and I thought this is not what I expected it to be at all. And a couple of years before that, I had joined a book club, Mm -hmm. reluctantly joined a book club and it was all women. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is going (laughs) to fucking (laughs) suck. This is going to be horrible. Um, And it was, oh, sorry, I forgot to tell you that's not tied down. Sorry. No, you're fine. Um, It was mixed and it was also the first time that I had ever allowed myself to be surrounded by women. Mm -hmm. So... This, it's proof that one person can change the perspective. Whether it be in relationship to people, to money, to fitness, what you're capable of. Like, we go through our lives thinking that what we do and what we say doesn't matter. And then you find that one person that was like, when you said this to me, it changed my life. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, shit, like... I was having a really crappy day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just venting. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we get to hold on to the fact that our actions matter. They do. Outside of the way that we're intending them to. Like we go on we go on stages, you and I both. Yeah. We go on stages and we go on stage, we're incredibly intentional. Yeah. It took a long time for me. To realize that more eyes are on me off the stage than they are on the stage, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, people are people are sizing us up all the time, all day, all day long. From what I wear to what I drive, it's the world we live in. Coming back to money, that's the that's the really you you know the reason. There's so many reasons I love being a personal finance coach. So many reasons. It's it's finance, it's mindset. I get to intertwine the two. I get to help people improve the quality of their lives. And personally, I've been able to see what's really going on behind the scenes, no matter how someone presents themselves externally. Yeah. So while we're doing all day long in the the drift of life, right? What is it? It's what do you, what do you and Stacy call it? The, the um, The voice? No, it'll come back to me. Um, But there's like this drift of life where people were just operating unconsciously. Okay. Right? And in that world, someone's driving a Tesla. What are we making up about their life? Mm, Someone's living in, we're in Henderson, up in Anthem. What are we making up about their life? Yeah. Someone's on a stage or someone's got a big title or someone's a company owner or whatever. What are we making up about their life? Yeah. And I get to see what goes on behind the scenes. And we're all just friggin' human. You know, one of
0: the first personal development books I ever read and my number one recommended book for anybody who starts talking about wanting to get into any type of personal development is the subtle art of not giving a fuck by Mark Manson. He's cool. He talks about specifically in his book, he's talking about a story between brothers where they're talking about how, if my brother talked to me more often, like I want him to talk to me more often because, um, he's my brother and he's supposed to love me and I want to have a good relationship with him. And in the book, he's talking about how there's two things that are at play here. Number one, the should, which we just spent a bunch of time talking about what should means, right? The should of, um, this is what life should be like. I should have a good relationship with my brother. That's what's supposed to be. And then the other side of it, which is, a good relationship with my brother looks like this Mm -hmm. and feels like this. Mm -hmm. And we've created these definitions of what success looks and feels like, what a relationship with money looks and feels like. And we discount the place that we're at because we feel like we should be somewhere else and that if we were somewhere else, it would look and it would feel like this. Totally. And when we specifically talk about money, that comes because it ties to our deepest shame moments, we start looking at our value as human beings yeah. that are tied to this unrealistic made up unicorn land yes. of what life should be like. Yes. Instead of saying like, and I mean this with all the respect, I don't live in a cardboard box. Yeah. I drive a car. Yeah. I pay for gas. I have food in my fridge when did that not become success and everything else become the fluff and the amazing and the happiness of life, right? The Hollywood of life. So with your clients, because you are fantastic at what you do.
1: Thank you. You're welcome.
0: (laughs) You meet with people that are normally in a highly emotional state of either frustration Mm -hmm sometimes anger, Mm -hmm. sometimes actual emotion. Oh, yeah. What is the process like the best you can describe it Mm -hmm. um, of bringing them down into a place of action Mm. so that they quit burying their head in the sand in what I like to call the ostrich syndrome of life?
1: Yeah. It's a process. Uh, First, meeting people where they're at, not where... I think they should be or need to be. So I see this a lot in the money industry because there's a lot of financial experts that don't have the tools that don't know what they don't know about how to work with people in that emotional state. And I very quickly, that's one of my talents is to be, to, you know, be succinct. I can very quickly help separate belief from fact. Mm. That's awesome. And, you know, I'm very numbers minded. So a a client cannot easily see what is a belief or a fact and truly none of us can financially until we're looking at it until we can understand and teach our brain how to interpret it. So I, Mm -hmm. I, in my conference yesterday um, I had everyone, there were like over a hundred people there take a test and it was a test to say, where are you on a scale of one to 10 in these 10 areas, mindset and behavior financially. And you, you get a score afterward from 10 to 100. And if you score high, some things are working. You score low. You get to see your relationship with money real time and where you're scoring. And in the absence of those types of experiences, oh, what I was going to say is some woman raised her hand and she said, I'm financially illiterate. And I said, thank you for sharing that and acknowledging that because with money, it is an applied science. It is a learned skill. Mm. And if you were never taught in a way that makes sense to you. Yeah. Because most people are teaching money the way it makes sense to them. If they're teaching it at all. Exactly. And then it becomes a big world of to do versus to be. Yeah. So how do I do that? By simplifying it and neutralizing and shifting the belief, acknowledging the beliefs acknowledging the emotion and separating it from what really is with perspective. None of us have perspective on our financial lives because we're not talking to other people about their money all day long. (laughs) So we think that what we have is
0: made up. Yes. These, these realities like Lisa has her shit together because I see this and
1: this and this and this. Right. Um, and my shit together to is an example of that for someone else is not. Yeah. It's how I feel about it. Yeah, you know, I went through this,
0: <laughs> oh, shit, um, <laughs> I went through this with my book when I started writing it, and I am fairly sure you're going to wholeheartedly feel this statement. I would be in tears um, on the phone with some of the multiple mentors I have in my life. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, how am I supposed to tell people how to get their shit together when mine looks like this? hmm And they're like, well, what does yours look like? And I was like, I'm a fucking mess. Like, I'm a hot mess. And they're like, well, are there people that are hot messier than you? And I'm like, I'm sure there are. (laughs) Like, I'm sure there are. Hot messier. I love Um, that. And they're like, so talk to them. But there's, like, we get in our head. Like, who am I to write this? Mm -hmm. Who am I to tell people about this? Mm -hmm. Like, I should. My favorite swear word. I should be in a different place. So why don't I wait until I'm there to tell people there is no it. there. Right? It's so crazy to me that we spend so much of our time talking about this in all areas of our life. And there is no there. There is no there.
1: There's no there because I work with Can people. Can that be the
0: next book? There's no there. Yeah.
1: Actually, <laughs> I stole it. It's from Todd Musselman. <laughs> oh, is it really? Yeah. I've
0: never heard of that. We
1: did a, a workshop. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We did a workshop with him at a and there is no there. There is no there. I love there that. is no there. I've worked with people who have millions of dollars and run million dollar businesses and they feel the same way. Yeah. There is no there. Isn't that crazy to you? They're like, we, did you feel like
0: you were raised in a generation that there was like an amount of money that was going to make everything worth it?
1: No, it was the opposite. So, Gen X, we're just, people forgot about us. I think, because no one talks about us. We're like the middle (laughs) child between the boomers and the millennials. Um, Gen Xers had a very different relationship with life because we were the kids that went out at 8 8 a.m. and came home at 8 Mm -hmm. p.m. We were left to our own devices, and we still play in that sandbox in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah, I agree. My household, um, things weren't addressed until they were a problem. So Uh. only problems were addressed. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so I don't remember what the question was, but I hope that answered it. Yeah,
0: it does. Um, I'll, I'll give you a reminder because I think there's more there. Um, was there this, as you were growing up in your relationship with money, was there this monetary amount that you thought would fix
1: problems? No. And, and because of that, my mom, my mom would tell us when we'd gripe about anything, you could be ugly. Ooh. It could be worse. like literally that was the statement. you could be ugly. So it was it could be worse.
0: Put your head down, work hard and you'll get there. It was you should be happy that you're not this. Be
1: grateful. And also the more money you have, the more problems you have. Ooh. My dad never went after leadership roles. He had a safe job. He had a pension. Don't rock the boat. Don't take on more. Your family's the only thing that matters. Do you think
0: that when I, I, with the work that you've done related to your programming around money yeah did that mentality of your dad who who did so first of all before i ask this question who do you think was the um in relationship to money who was the predominant figure in your mind when
1: you thought about money
0: your mom or your dad
1: You're going to ask me to trust myself. I don't know. Uh, In different ways. It was my mom was the one that I had a relationship with. Okay. My dad was the one that when I wasn't being good, a good girl, the hammer dropped from him. Gotcha. So it was my mom interpreting for my dad. So in my, in my household, he was the authority figure. Okay. So that mindset of your dad
0: that the more money you have, the more problems that you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, with all of the work that you've done related to mindset, did that land for you in a the more money you have, the more problems that you have in your brain? Mm-hmm. Or did it land as I don't want to be like that, so I need more money?
1: I I, I rejected it. I rejected it. And it was like, it was a big block and a big wall once. And then once I realized it was actually there, I created the awareness that that was actually something that was in my way. Yeah. I had to risk losing my relationship with my dad to get over it and get through it because it was, it wasn't just that I was rejecting a mindset. It was that I was rejecting him and my family. Did he think that, or was that your perception of what was happening? He, he communicated it very clearly. Interesting. And I had to be willing to walk out the door and never talk to him again and lose that relationship entirely to create a new reality. And how,
0: how long did it take for you to get to the point or was it a time thing or was it a pain thing? Um Or maybe a mixture of both that got you to the point where you said, I can't do this anymore. And if they choose to walk out of my life, then that's their decision. I was
1: going broke. I was going broke. My marriage was failing. My life sucked, (laughs) in my own words. I mean, I had a roof over my head. I was a homeowner. You can see the emotion in my face right now. Mm -hmm. I was in so much pain. I was willing to do anything. And I knew that if I didn't change anything because I had created all this awareness, but my actions were not creating the results that I wanted, And the success really for me, we've had this conversation personally, is that the success, financial success matters. I get that in a logical way. The impact was more important to me. Making a difference was more important to me. And having a voice was more important to me. How
0: far into your personal development journey was this awareness? Three years. Yeah. Three years. What was the thing that triggered um, your desire to learn more about personal development and grow. Was it opening a business or was it before that?
1: I was um, really unhappy in my marriage. Mm. So I had left UNLV in 2011 to be a stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home mom, but to take care of my husband while he was working. And he lost his job nine months later. Mm-hmm. And in that cycle, it was a vicious cycle for about a year I was like, this is not the life that I want. This is not the marriage that I want. So I enrolled him into a personal development course to I'm fix him. I'm sure he him. loved that. <laughs> yes.
0: You know, do you know how many times I have this conversation? I'm sure that you do because I'm sure you have it too. I need my wife and I or my husband and I to come talk to you about money because she needs help or <laughs> he needs help with money. I'm not the problem. But if you could help her learn how to save more, yes. <laughs> then then this would be okay. I just had this conversation with somebody who sat through one of my boot camps and he sat through one of my boot camps and then at the end of the boot camp comes up to me and says, you know, I really need to get my wife to one of these. If you could just talk to her. Yeah. And if you could get through to her, yeah. I really think we'd be okay. And I'm like, yeah, because you're none of the problem, right? I, I think... <laughs> There's a period of time where we overcorrect and you and I have talked about this a little bit and we talk about it a lot in the friendship circles that we choose to hang out with. Mm -hmm. There's a period of time in the personal development world where we overcompensate for our responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Um, we go from it never being our fault Mm -hmm. to it always being our fault and in the relationship with money, where do you think that sweet spot is? for taking responsibility for your actions and holding others' responsibility for their actions as well. I, I ask really specifically because I think as a single person, I see money as a very individual relationship. However, I know that that's not the case. Even as a single person, there's yeah. multiple influences in my money relationships. So when you're dealing with people and helping them, at what point do they take responsibility for their actions and stop taking respo- and for and require others to take responsibility for theirs as well?
1: Um, I, there are so many dynamics in relationship there in that question. So I'll just sp- I'll stick with spouses, okay, or significant others, not necessarily male female, but right. relationships, personal relationships. There can be a point where, and this happened in my marriage. I'm responsible. I'm responsible. I'm responsible. I'm responsible. I'm going to turn myself inside out. I'm going to turn myself inside out. I'm going to try to fix things. I'm going to be responsible. And then at a certain point, it's like this, the other person is not willing to change or take new action. And then in the way I do it in a coaching context, so that for me, it's like to like, go, wait a minute, I'm doing all the work here. What are you doing? Yeah. What's going on here? And, and, and being willing to even just lean into that conversation. But um, from a couple that comes to me and they both want help or they both say they want help, yeah. it comes through the form of agreement. Where
0: do you find that people have the ability to take control for themselves when the other person in that relationship isn't there yet?
1: Um, re- reframe work the question. I don't understand Yeah, the no. So
0: if, if one spouse comes to talk to you. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the other spouse doesn't think there's a problem yet. How does that one person start to take control mm-hmm. in a situation where they're not the only factor?
1: Um, by just solely focusing on the things that they can control. And we start there. And also then coaching from a place of, of how to have and model com- so I've had a cup I've had a, a man tell me point blank I don't know how to have this conversation it was never role modeled to me. So if you find yourself at you're like I'm at my wit's end here because if language was never modeled to you or action was never modeled to you you truly Don't know what it looks like or what it sounds like. So it's one, let's focus on the things we can control. And then two, help me help you model new language and new behavior to enroll the other person into the conversation, not push them or pull them into the relation or into the conversation.
0: You know, I think that's such an important dynamic in that answer, because how many times in relationship to money and everything else, do we look at the people in our lives and we say, we need to make a change, so let's go? Oof. And that person doesn't move. And so instead of us moving, we continue to harp on the fact that they won't make a change and they won't make a change and they won't make a change while we sit here. Yeah. Like at some point in time, similar to the conversation that you had about having to make a decision regardless of what your family was going to think about it, yeah. what their outcome was going to be at what point do we say my responsibility for making this changes now? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's so incredibly important because we, um, and I'm going to say this lovingly because I know it's going to trigger some people. We play the victim yeah. so often of I want change, but my spouse doesn't. Yeah, So there's nothing I can do. Yep. I want to get healthier, but my spouse doesn't. So there's nothing I can do. Yeah. Like it's, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. So this leads me into maybe one of my favorite parts of what you do. Tell me about Money Moves.
1: I love this program so much. You had a question about fun. And um, I'm, okay, so... I don't like people telling me what to do and you you called Clearly. me out on this. Yeah, you called me out on this. And I was like, yeah, okay. Well, I'm I'm working on that. I still don't like people to tell me what there's to do. There's a reason
0: you and I get along.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like doing things my way. And there I I I became something that was missing in the finance industry. And there's a lot of uptightness and formality and a lot of formal people in the money industry and I'm not that formal. I can be I prefer to be you and me both. more casual. And I'm a pretty fun person, I will say. I agree. I like to laugh. And I think in money, we can do that. We can make fun of ourselves. We can poke fun at things because we can lighten the mood and we can be like, all right, I'm going to give myself some grace and I'm going to move forward. So Money Moves was constructed out of that concept of, I want I want someone to walk in to not just your typical financial seminar. And they're going to, from the moment they walk in, there's music blaring. There's people dancing. They're like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) And I'm already starting to interrupt patterns for Uh, them. And I want them to feel as women that we can come together and we can dance and we can celebrate and we can still talk about hard things. You know, um,
0: (laughs) what I love about this so much is I think I would rather, and I, I told myself man, I hope I don't lose people because of this. Um, I told myself I would never walk into a Mormon church ever again. And Were you raised LDS? I was. Yeah. And um, I would almost rather do that than talk about money. Mm. And so when you talk, but, 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 man, I'll do anything to listen to music and to be around people that are having a good time, mm-hmm. right? Yep. When I started to repair my relationship with religion, and to be fair, I don't think, I want to retract this, I don't think the Mormon religion is bad. Yeah. I think my relationship with it is broken. Sure. Um, I don't think that there's anything good or bad about any religion. Agreed. I think it is our relationship with it. Um, And when I started to repair my relationship with religion, it... Was walking into a church and seeing a live band Mm. and feeling at home. And so when you talk about music blaring, music is just this communication to the soul. And it lowers guards in a way that few other things can. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you bring so much fun into it. Mm -hmm. And whether it is intentional or unintentional, the way that you do it just... Brings down these walls. Cause I can tell you that the moment that I start to walk into a money moves, I am geared up for all the disgusting stuff that I'm gonna have to uh, acknowledge about myself. Yeah. And I'm not gonna wanna sit by people, I'm not gonna wanna talk to people, yeah. I don't want anybody to know what's going on. And then you just make it fun. Yeah. And you forget that you're there to learn and to make changes and you and this is what I said in the very beginning you make money fun yeah. in a way that most people don't
1: why why can't it be
0: I mean it can be excruciating and it is for most people
1: yeah and why can't it be
0: oh why can't it be why can't it, it should be? be it could be it can be it is <laughs> that was a lot um <laughs> well I would have looked at it should but i Said I can't say should anymore, so then I had to figure yeah. out what else it was gonna be, and then it all went from
1: there. So yeah,
0: um, so money moves is only in Vegas or everywhere.
1: We're reaching out this year. We're branching out, so we're gonna have one in San Diego, um, in August sometime. Okay, we have to we have to shift it for some reasons, <laughs> and uh, we're gonna have another one in October in Vegas. So we do it a couple times a year. One in October. Uh, do you know, we don't have we haven't, you we don't know, have the no, date yet. Not yet. But, um, but so another question about why money moves is that uh, people have their own relationships with money, just like they do with everything else. And just like we learn in neurolinguistics, how people have different preferences. Yeah, we we also have that in communication in the form of the disk profile and other personality kind of tests. So who we are will inform how we can best operate when it comes to money. Yeah. And I teach that I in, a, in a way where people look at each other and go, oh, wow, you're not wrong. You're just different.
0: So what do you, I mean, first of all, I'm going to give you an opportunity here in just a few minutes to tell people where to find you. Okay. Um, what would you say to the person that says, number one, I didn't know that the leases of the world were a thing. Okay. I didn't know, like, The financial side of things I've always thought of financial advisors or investments or things like that. Or number two, I've never actually thought about my money mindset before. Yeah. What would you say to those two kinds of people in where they should start?
1: Okay. So when it comes to money coaching, it's pretty new on the scene when it comes to the world of money. I actually, as a financial advisor in 2014, had no idea that money coaching was a thing. It's, co- it's, like, it's kind of like hidden in the world of economics as behavioral economics. Okay, And there are a lot of people who understand behavioral economics from an academic standpoint. Money coaches are just creating a new conversation. And um, money coaches typically will work with money mindset or setting foundation. And then there's higher level money coaches, executive coaches, business coaches, you name it. Yeah. So they're out there. I would say find someone that resonates with you and realize that money's not a one size fits all. Just because one money coach has figured it out for themselves, you find someone who's going to help you get where you want to be, just like coaches are all different. Find a coach that's for you. Find a money coach that's for you, helping you with the things that you want help with. When it comes to money money mindset, you have to acknowledge, I'm going to invite you as a listener and a viewer to acknowledge the fact that you have a relationship with money. Everyone does, and it's inescapable. You have a relationship with yourself. Everyone does, it's inescapable. Whether or not you choose to avoid it doesn't negate the fact that it's there, mm. yeah? So the more you can embrace your own mindset with money and know are you coming from a fixed mindset or a growth mindset, neither of them are wrong. Which one are you, which one would you like to be? That's the work for us to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any resources for people that want to figure out where to get started? On my website, yes. Cool. On my website, yes. So you can go to my website. It's There's a get started link. Um, you can watch actually my free resource, which is my my podcast, Real Money. You can listen to episodes, learn from people that are on the show. So if you're looking for a free res- resource, that's it. And um, And then I have a six-week program. I have an online course that I just launched. That's amazing. Lots of ways to... To, to, to tap into my world depending on the level of time and money that you're willing to invest and ready to invest. But yeah, let us know what, what you need. Let us know how we can support lisachastain.com. Yeah, so I would... Um, we're going to put that in the show notes. Okay. I would highly,
0: highly suggest that anybody that's listening reach out and at least check out the podcast yeah. because I feel like those conversations are going to be the way that people think, oh, I've never thought about that before. Like we go through money, well, we go through everything initially with that, like, I can't see you, you can't see me mentality, right? (laughs) Like the kid. Um, but also like, you know, the best example I can come up with that I share often is my cataract surgery, Mm -hmm. right? When I, I mean, why I had cataracts is a whole conversation that some will believe or don't. I truly believe that I created my cataracts because I was afraid to be seen in the world. Mm. And if I can't see you, you can't see me. So I'm going to make sure I can't see you and then NLP happened and then I bought yellow jackets and yellow chairs and purple yeah. microphone covers um but I remember for years my um, eye doctor was like you should have cataract surgery and I said I don't need it I can see just fine and she was like but like you kind of can't and I was like no I can like I see you and see just fine and she's like the only reason that you think you can see is because you don't know what it looks like to actually see Mm. you know think of it in the health world the only reason you think you're healthy is because you don't know what it feels like to be healthy the only reason you think you're not tired is because you don't know what it feels like to have energy right we could go on and on Mm. and I told her she was wrong over and over again until I just got sick and tired of listening to her actually that's not true I almost failed a DMV test and I was like okay maybe I can't see (laughs) The way that I think I can because I was, like, 35 at the time. Yeah. And you can't fail a DMV test at 35. Like, no. that's not okay. So um, I started to have conversations with her about having my cataract surgery done. And when you get cataract surgery, they can only do one eye at a time. Mm-hmm. So for one week, I could see out of one eye. And the other eye was the good eye. Um, They did my bad eye first. Mm -hmm. And the other eye was what I thought seeing looked like. Mm -hmm. And there will never be another time in my life where I'll have that opportunity to have a visual representation of the shift of perspective. Yeah. When it comes to money, I think the only reason that people think they don't have money issues is because they, and, and I use issues lovingly, is that they they don't know what it feels like to have a healthy relationship with money. Agreed. I Agreed. think that it's such a misnomer yeah. to have a healthy relationship with money.
1: Yeah, what does it even look like? What does, what it, does even it, like? Like? What it even look like? Is it even a thing? Yeah.
0: Like, it's it's honestly, and if you don't do a podcast episode with this title, I'm going to be very sad. Um, it's honestly like the, the Loch Ness Monster of, like, does it even exist? Yeah. Right? Is there even a world where a good relationship with money exists because I've never had a representation of it ever. Mm -hmm. Even whether it was the people in my life who had money or didn't have money, Mm -hmm. neither of them were positive relationships with money. And going back to what we said before, who am I to say whether it was positive or negative, right? I just landed the way that it did. Um so lisachestain.com. Yeah. Your podcast,
1: yep. Real Money Real with Money. Lisa Chestain. You can find it on my website too. It's there. Your book, Get Your Shit Together, girl. Get Your Shit Together.
0: You have a new book coming out, don't I you? I do. Mm-hmm. When is your new book set to release?
1: I don't know, Amber. We said March. I mean, you still got a week. Oh, yeah. We did, we have, we launched the class. The class is called, so I have the Real Money, I have the Real Money podcast, the Real Money Formula, which is my new online class and six week class. And then the book is, is, will be out soon. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So
0: the free guide, lisachastain.com. Yep. The podcast. Yep. Um, Anything else that you want to leave the listeners with? Any last um, words of wisdom related to their money mindset?
1: Be willing to look at the feedback and be willing to get feedback. It's the only thing that helps us grow and get to the next level. All right. Before we wrap
0: up, um, I have a question for you and then a random round. Okay. I ask every single one of my guests this question. I think that it is the most under-discussed topic in all of personal development. Okay. I know, right? Get ready. Get ready. What does success mean to you and why?
1: Waking up with my husband and my kids, we're all healthy, and I get to do what I love every day. That's my success.
0: And on a less large scale, hmm like if you wake up in the morning and you say, if X happens today, today was a success. What does that mean?
1: If I wake up today and what I have on my calendar happens, mm. it was a successful day. I love that. This is And there's, oh my gosh, I mean, I have three dogs and two kids. And at any point in time, something can go awry. And I intentionally set my day up to do things that I think matter. Yeah. And when I can do that and see my family and be home, I mean, every day is going to look different. Um, But true to form, when I feel like I'm the author of my life, Mm. it is going to be a good day. Yeah. I love that. All right. Quick random round for you
0: before we run away. Okay. You ready? Mm -hmm. All right. Evil fingers.
1: Um,
0: If you could time travel. Anywhere in the world, where would you go
1: and why? I would go, oh, you're making me cry. Um, I would go back and spend time with my grandma. Mm. As much time as humanly possible. I love that answer. Yeah. I love that answer. If you
0: could do anything other than what you're doing now, what profession do you think it would be fun to attempt?
1: Fun to attempt? Yes. I would, I cannot sing. But I would love to be an actor or a singer. I love it. Yeah. I love it.
0: Yeah. Um, what resource, book, podcast, all of the above, um, what resource do you think that somebody who's just starting their personal development journey should be looking into?
1: Oh, my gosh. Personal development, that's... just Personal depends. or professional? Personal, professional. I got to tell you that the um, Lynn twists the soul of money. Rocked my world when it came to money and looking mm-hmm. at the dynamic of money. And Maya Angelou. Yes. Marion Williamson, okay. Return to Love, Anything Wayne Dyer, and The Four Agreements. That's the number one book The Four the Agreements. The Four Agreements is amazing. Yeah. And it's so simple
0: and so amazing at the same time. Yeah. All right. Last question. And this is purely selfish. Um, <laughs> I am a music nerd. Okay. So I need to know what's your pump up song? Um, anything pink yes okay so time out for just a second have you watched her documentary i sure have oh
1: pink call me let's be friends yeah
0: i'm not so sure that she listens to this podcast if she did though it would be fantastic so she i'm a country girl okay i was not sure that i loved pink okay and then i watched her documentary and i was like oh i love pink yeah Like first of all, her newer music is fantastic. Agreed. Um, I think she kind of got off of the um, "I Hate the World" Mm -hmm. and "It Hates Me," Mm -hmm. High Horse. Yep. And not that that was bad. That was what her evolution '90s was about, right? Yeah. Um, that type of music, at least. Um, but watching the way that she interacts with her kids, Mm -hmm. the way that she gives them choices, the way that she um makes every decision, the way that she's found a way to have the career to have the life to have the the touring and to still put her family first yeah um is absolutely incredible so it does not surprise me at all that that's the music that you love yeah awesome one more time where can people find you if they want to reach out and have a conversation with you about money or pink
1: or personal development or just fun come hang out with me lisachastain.com it's got all my social media handles it's the easiest way to plug in perfect i love it lisa thanks for being here today
0: thank you for spending some time with me thank you for being my first in-person podcast and dealing with all of the i'm sure um imperfections that that comes with it has been a blast to talk to you i'm grateful to be here